0: the bat
1: May the fourth be with you. Who is that mass man?
0: Avengers, assemble! Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. As always, we'll begin the show with some genre-related news. The season one finale of HBO's House of the Dragon drew 9.3 million viewers. The figure includes those who watched the four linear showings on HBO, as well as those who streamed the program via HBO and HBO Max. It was HBO's most watched series finale since, sorry, season finale, I should say, since Game of Thrones, which drew 19.8 million viewers in 2019. The number was lower than the House of the Dragon season high of 10.2 million viewers for episode two of the prequel series, although the episode leaked online ahead of its HBO premiere which likely contributed to the lower viewership numbers. HBO hasn't usually released viewership numbers for the program. HBO did confirm, however, that viewership steadily rose for the show through episode six. House of the Dragon has already been renewed for a second season. Filming is set to begin early next year, and no release date has been announced. Filmmaker James Gunn and producer Peter Safran have been tapped to lead DC's film, TV, and animation efforts as co-chairs and co-CEOs of DC Studios, a newly formed division at Warner Brothers that will replace DC Films. The hiring concludes a months-long search by Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav to replace DC Films head Walter Hamada. Hamada officially departed the studio last week. Division of Responsibility will see Gunn focus on the creative side, while Safran's expected area of concentration will be on business and production. Both will have the freedom to continue... To direct and produce projects, respectively, and they will report directly to Zaslav while working closely with Warner Brothers co-chairs Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi. The deal reportedly runs for four years and Gunn will be exclusive to DC. Zaslav said in a statement, DC has among the most entertaining, powerful, and iconic characters in the world, and I am thrilled to have the singular and complementary talents of James and Peter joining our world-class team and overseeing the creative direction of the storied DC Universe. Their decades of experience in filmmaking, close ties to the creative community, and proven track record thrilling superhero fans around the globe make them uniquely qualified to develop a long-term strategy across film, TV, and animation and take this iconic franchise to the next level of creative storytelling. Hmm. New trailers dropped this week for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. You can view both on one of the FF social media pages and while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, opens in theaters February 17th 2023, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special begins streaming on Disney Plus November 25th. If you happen to be in the listening area, the Baltimore Comic-Con returns this weekend. Where mini cons are more multimedia these days, founder Mark Nathan sees that this is a comic-centric event, and it's one of the better regional shows, including a fabulous array of comics and media guests. BBC also features the Ringo Awards. The show runs through Sunday at the Baltimore Convention Center. You can get more information by visiting the website at baltimorecomicon.com. Some sad news this week as Jules Bass passed away on October 25th. The American director, producer, author, composer was best known to genre audiences for his animated productions with Arthur Rankin. Their Rankin Bass studio produced such holiday classics as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus is Coming to Down, and Frosty the Snowman. They also produced animated movies and TV shows including The Jackson 5, The Hobbit, Mad Monster Party, and Thundercats. He was 87. Black Adam, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, is projected to repeat as number one at this weekend's box office, this despite possibly dropping as much as 63% from its opening weekend revenue. However, the film is expected to break the $100 mark, and it still has another week before the opening of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So, we'll see what kind of business it does between now and then. We'll get to the discussion immediately following the official, spoiler-free review of the movie. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. The Black Adam character originated in Fawcett Comics, the Marvel family comic book, in 1945. Teth Adam had been the Wizard Shazam's champion in ancient Egypt, but he was ultimately deemed unworthy because he used his magical abilities to kill Pharaoh and take power for himself. For that, he was banished to the farthest star in the universe. It took him 5,000 years to return, by which time the Wizard had selected new champions. Black Adam did battle with Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr. and Mary Marvel, He died after being tricked into reverting back into Teth Adam who disintegrated into dust due to his advanced age. Black Adam was revived by DC Comics who acquired the rights along with other Captain Marvel characters. Since that revival, he has enjoyed a rich history in the comics as the anti-hero to Billy Batson's Captain Marvel. Dwayne the Rock Johnson has described Black Adam as the character he was born to play and Johnson clearly has a great time in the role. Overall, Black Adam is an enjoyable movie, even if it is something of a mess due to the many characters, jumbled plotline, and its service to DC world building. Let's start with the DC Extended Universe, which has been semi-competitive against the juggernaut that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Many people forget that the big-budget Hollywood blockbuster superhero movie genre was actually begun by DC with Superman the Movie, way back in 1978. That is actually only relevant in terms of the way the rivalry between Marvel and DC is characterized today, because DC was actually doing pretty well for decades, and it is only since the late aughts that Marvel has taken the lead. Not unlike the historic sales war between Comics Big 2, which ultimately saw Marvel outstrip DC in the early 1970s. Leading up to its release, Black Adam was described as a game changer in the rivalry. This was the picture that was to make DC competitive. Will it? I don't know. Black Adam has a lot going for it. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's earnest commitment is obvious. Johnson is star as well as producer and he's relying on his bankability as a star to carry the film. Co-stars Pierce Brosnan and Alvis Hodge bring gravitas and a degree of star power as well. The cast is rounded out by Sarah Shahi, Quintessa Swindell, Noah Centineo, Bodhi Sabongui, Mohammed Amir, and Marwan Kinzari. Viola Davis, Jennifer Holland, Jamon Honshu and Henry Winkler appear in cameo roles. The effects are top shelf as one would expect for a big budget Tetpole movie. The credits list an army of visual effects artists, animators and compositors and others. There are also a lengthy list of stunt performers. The fan service is exceptional. Not only do we get Black Adam but Hawkman Doctor Fate Adam Smasher Cyclone Sabak, Shazam the Wizard Amanda Waller, the original Adam, and a couple of others. There's plenty of superhero action, magic, and high tech gadgets. It has humor. The movie also benefits from a sweeping cinematic score by Lorne Balf. The characterization of Black Adam is consistent with the comic's incarnation. He is an anti hero, and he doesn't hold back on bad guys. Some will undoubtedly relish scenes in which he deals merciless justice. Narratively, the movie is a total mess. The screenplay by Adam Zeichel, Rory Haynes, and Surab Nashervani is all over the place, particularly in the beginning. I wish there had been some character development and motivation established. The film lurches from one action sequence to the next, although there is a reasonably satisfying conclusion that leaves the viewer with a positive feeling about the movie. Black Adam runs a brisk two hours and four minutes, the pacing is such that it doesn't ever really slow down. Another advantage of which is that you may not notice some of the story shortcomings. You'll want to remain for the neat mid-credit scene. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you probably already heard. It's rated PG-13 for action, fantasy, sci-fi. The rating is about right. Although you can confidently take children as young as about 10 or 11 without reservation. Lots and lots of action and violence with minimal substance, but still a great deal of fun. Two stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official FF review of Black Adam, which opened in theaters last weekend. God, good grease. So, hey, look, um, I am, oops, we're talking about <laughs> some of these news items and more. Joining me today are Roberto Ortiz. And Mike Lunsford. Welcome to the show, everybody. Glad to be here. Yes,
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you all for coming back. It's always fun. Uh, You know, one thing uh, before we kind of get into it, uh, Roberto had asked me, He's like, why aren't you at Baltimore? And I'm like, because I'm here.
2: You know? <laughs> That's a very philosophical question <laughs> and a very philosophical answer. Yes. Where else would I be yeah.
0: but here? Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> what I said was, well, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm not uh, what is it, uh, Mad Rocks or a triplicate Girl or <laughs> any of these people <laughs> with the power to divide myself, you know, into uh, into multiple beings. So, uh yeah, this is this is, you know, no, there there's still a pandemic. In fact, I just got another booster yesterday along with my flu shot. But no, nah, I ain't going. I mean, if if I don't if if I don't have some sort of if I'm not working at a show or I have some sort of panel obligation, I'm not going to any conventions. You kidding me? Don't
1: blame this, you. This don't thing is you. this
0: thing I mean, from what I heard uh, what was it? DragonCon was a super spreader event. <laughs> you know, really? I mean, all these people got sick after DragonCon. I mean, I haven't heard much about New York, but uh, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to do all that. Are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that the virus understands exactly how old I am. I think I might be close enough to where the virus is like, yeah. Yeah, he's close enough.
2: <laughs> Just, I we're we going to get him. I yeah. get it because when I go to public places like uh, libraries and things like that, I'm mm-hmm. the only one walking around with a mask. And it's like, okay, I must admit some sort of memo because I feel silly. But yeah. what the heck? I'm not taking this off. And Jonathan, you're not taking my son. You're not taking that mask off either. So I don't feel
0: come. silly at all. I mean, I, I was in the grocery store day before yesterday, and I was the only person I saw wearing a mask, and I don't care. I'm going to keep wearing my mask because this thing ain't over, regardless of people wanting to declare yeah. or pronounce or whatever. And uh, it killed a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I know some people who died behind this thing. So Sorry. once once you know people who the thing killed, I mean, you know, it, it ain't a hoax. It ain't, you know, yeah. So, yeah, Baltimore, <laughs> no, no thank you. <laughs> no thank you. We're going to give this at least one more year before we... Uh, Go back to to all of this, but yeah. So um, in terms of some of the news this week, I mean, I, I we absolutely have to talk about this hiring of uh, James Gunn yeah. and um, who's this Peter Safran? I don't he know much about trauma. Safran.
2: He came from Trauma Pictures. They're oh, both, really? Their uh, best
0: buds. Okay, so you're talking about Trauma. That um, was it. Uh, the, Toxic Avenger Thank you, thank you. I could not remember that to save my life, but that's exactly what I was thinking of
2: their best buds oh, okay so mm-hmm. it's that's a deal that's a package deal that basically they can together. It's smart because one of them is going to be the the actual behind the scenes uh, talent another one is going to be the front gone obviously it's going to be the front the front face of the, the the equation
0: so what was wrong with uh hamada i thought they Politics. were going in a good direction well yeah and and uh, let me tell you something and you heard it here first, people. This ain't going to work. This why? Ain't gonna, this ain't going to work the way they, they want. Why? Okay. I'll tell you why. Because they're trying to... Well, all Warner Brothers knows. Warner Brothers is old Hollywood. Yes. Okay. So Marvel is making a gazillion dollars. Yeah. And they're like, we should be making a gazillion dollars. Why aren't our movies making a gazillion dollars? We need to... But y- 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 you could do it. But you can't do what Marvel is doing and make a gazillion dollars. You got to do this thing on your own, you know. So here, here's the thing. Here's the bottom line. Kevin Feige. Yes. Has total autonomy. And he has a blind spot. To do whatever he wants to do. What? Well, okay. Well, yeah. But the the bottom line is this guy doesn't have anybody that he has to answer to. He has already proven himself, and. The powers that be over at Disney are like, yeah, Kevin, you do whatever you want to do, man. Keep doing it. Keep making us this money. Here's a check, go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's the politics that I think is yeah. going to ruin it over at Warner Brothers. Because so many different people want to have a hand. I mean, shoot, even now, you've got um, Matt Reeves and this Batman movie. You've got, uh, well, Kim Phoenix with the Joker thing, you know? I mean, now, it seems like Matt Reeves, and and even Matt Reeves, Hamada wasn't over him doing this thing. You know, that was like its own thing, you know? Uh, Ditto with the Joker. So, what's going to be up with this? They're going to leave
2: them alone. That's basically their own thing. And you know what? That's probably the best for DC Comics. That they have this little... That's the key difference between... Right now, Disney and Warner Bros., that basically they can allow themselves to do this little weird-ass experiments and be okay. And if it fails, it fails, if it doesn't. But I agree with you that the thing that has brought Hamada down, he's a very talented producer from from my scene, is the politics. But what Guns brings to the table, which cannot be understated, is that since he comes from the trauma school in terms of low budget he understands how to work with high budget and low budget he understands the Hollywood system and he understands that what Warner Brothers saw is what he did for example with the peacemaker for the love of God the freaking peacemaker a character that 10 years ago nobody would have taken seriously and he, make it, he made a show that was in that high budget and he did great so what they're thinking is I wonder if he can do this with other properties. Take obscure characters that you never heard of, like the challengers of the Known. Please, uh, I can make you a great pitch for the challengers of the Known if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> make them worthwhile.
0: Yeah, how about the sea devils the, uh, or the atomic yes. knights? Yeah, Mike. Oh, the one second. Mike, m- Mike, yeah. Mike, Mike, one second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford and Roberta Ortiz. And uh, Mike was getting ready to say something. Mike, yes, go.
1: <laughs> so the biggest concern that I have, because R- Roberta just brought it up, like, the be- in my opinion, the best DC products that we've seen in the last two, three years at this point are the Suicide Squad, which yep. was James Gunn, and then Peacemaker, which was also James Gunn. And... I think they know what they have in him. He is a brilliant director. He knows the system. He knows how to write. But here's my one thing I'm concerned about. You know what he knows how to write? And he knows how to really do something with? is characters that not everybody knows. Mm. Because that's exactly what he did with Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's exactly what he did with Suicide Squad. Because he didn't choose the big-name people for Suicide Squad. Like He chose relatively unknown. Same thing with Peacemakers. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying the guy isn't talented. I love him as a director. He's done some of my favorite movies recently. But that's, in my mind, that's the first thing I think. I was like, is this guy going to be able to handle the big people? Is he going to be able to handle Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, things like that? He may not even be doing that. He might just be in charge of other things. I don't know. Bingo. But, like, that yeah. would be my biggest concern with him is that, like, that is he going to start taking characters in different directions? Because, frankly... Most people who saw Peter Quill are don't know if that's what Star-Lord's normally like. They're like, oh, well, this is Star-Lord. This is obviously what the character is, not really knowing his history. Same thing with Drax the Destroyer. Any of the characters that we saw, but, like, the dude's a consummate professional. Yes. And, like, working with somebody that he already has history with, like, that's going to be, like that seems like a really good fit. Instead of people fighting over ego, it's going to be like, hey, why don't we do what we did with X because we know it worked. And I think that you're going to see immediate results.
2: And also, let me add something that Warner Brothers, basically what they understand is money and merchandising. And they see what he did with the Peacemaker, where he took a completely unknown character and made it... You can now make merchandise based on the Peacemaker in terms of how popular he became in terms of a certain sem- term- term- of the, popu- the population. Guardians of the galaxy, completely unknown characters. Every freaking body knows who Groot is right now. Because of James Caan. He took the character and he made it somehow. He took a character that only says one line and he made it charming enough that people wanted to buy more And he gets that in terms of the the core thing that he's selling which is basically it's a product I'm sorry to describe it this way, but it's how Hollywood sees it. It's a product that needs to be merchandised and needs to be sold. And Hamada was a great guy, but he was more concentrated in terms of storytelling, which is great. But gone can also bring the money side, create how to make basically new properties that doesn't exclusively rely on the, the big seven and make money out of those properties. And that's, I think, what Warner Brothers is thinking. That he can create, take existing IP that we already own, that has not been tapped forever, and make money with them. Imagine, for example, what he would do with something like the Music Meister. Or Kite Man, for the love of God. Hmm. And he could basically come up with a concept that would work for those characters. And the thing that he's been smart is that he's been... Cherry-picking the things he likes from the DCEU. Amanda Waller is probably going to stay, and he's probably going to produce a show around her. Uh, he's going to be uh, let the, the rock alone and do whatever the heck you want to do with the Justice Society and Black Adam. Fine. Do that. Do your thing. You want to have him fight Superman? Go yourself. Go yourself crazy. It's fine. It's smart, and in terms of a business sense.
0: Yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying, but a couple of things. One is, everybody is stuck on the contemporary situation. And I happen to remember that Warner was the one that started this whole... Superhero blockbuster genre thing yeah with a little film back in 1978 called Superman the movie never heard of. and The Warner actually DC ruled the movies for about 20 years 20-30 years You know Marvel wasn't even an afterthought. I mean they were maybe doing a little bit of TV and You know it wasn't until uh, the late aughts with Iron Man and but they burst onto the scene so quickly and so completely. I mean, Iron Man was essentially an indie picture. Yes. But um, what's his face? Who directed that? Come on, help me out. Don uh,
2: Favreau. Don
0: Favreau. Favreau thank you. Uh, you know. So and and he had carte blanche, and he took this thing and I also believe that time was kind with that character in terms of the technology and what Iron Man was because audiences. I, I, I remember that scene where um, uh, he's getting into the armor, and um, what's his face, who's uh, who was replaced by Don Cheadle? Uh, oh, uh, Ronnie. Who? Roddy. Yeah, but what's the guy's name? Terrence Howard. Terrence yeah, Howard, uh, thank you. He's sitting there, and he's like, that's the coolest thing I ever saw. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, because you know the, the CG where it was putting the armor on him, and it really was, it really was. But the key was... Audiences, that wasn't a stretch. Audiences could believe. You weren't asking them to suspend belief with the notion that a guy could create a suit that would allow him to do this stuff. So it was all, you know, most propitious in terms of the the moment that all this happened. But uh, I digress. So uh, Warner started it. DC, Superman the movie. They were ruling the roost, and all of a sudden things turned very suddenly. But. Despite what you're saying about Gunn's success with these relatively obscure characters, the the meat and potatoes of all of this are Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, The Flash. I mean, you're your A-list characters. And if they're really gonna be successful with this, they gotta do something with them. They gotta I mean, you gotta have I mean now now. There wasn't, I don't know, a lot of people got more out of it than I did, but there wasn't a whole lot to Black Adam, but it did have the Justice Society of America, you know, which was... Oh, and uh, I, I think also uh, that some of the TV offerings, like Stargirl, for example, yes. which, I, and I've been trying to catch up on Stargirl. I really like Stargirl. You know? I mean, and and the Justice Society, I mean, well, let's face it, if you're looking at the Justice Society, this was the first super team in mainstream comics so if you can do something i mean hey it's great if you can do something with the obscure characters and if you got nothing else to play with that's fine but this guy has got to prove that he can do something with the a-list characters and it's got to be something i mean because what warner brothers is looking for is they're looking for a billion dollar movie with the Justice League of America. They're looking to blow Marvel out of the water with the Justice League of America with Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, you know? I mean, and either you can do that or, or you can. Now, I happen to believe that Marvel gets a pass from a lot of people. I mean, yeah. even the 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 how do I want to put this? Marvel not all Marvel movies are really good movies. But everybody embraces them and talks about how wonderful they are, regardless. And similarly, DC movies, I believe, get an unwarranted amount of criticism. Yeah. And people are a lot harder on them than they perhaps need to be. So that's the climate that you're working in. And I just don't know how successful James Gunn is going to be in that particular climate. I mean, he's got he's to be able to flip the script... And do so, kind of sneak up on audiences, you know? I mean, I, I don't know how you do that.
1: Well, Deprano, you. Oh, Mike, sorry. Oh, yeah, I, I think that he, of all of the directors that they could have chose, somebody to helm an entire division like this, like this is the right choice. Yeah. Like I, I understand that. Like, not everybody's going to have the same kind of faith in him that I do. Like, I think that this is the right dude for this because, yeah. like, based on based on everything, like. I don't think that there are many instances where people are like, yeah, well, you know, this wasn't that good, or, oh, it could have been better. Like, overall, like, James Gunn's things that he has brought to the table in recent years have been well-received, and I think that that's what DC's banking off of, is that, like, this is our guy, because right now he's the it man. Like, he's the it it boy. He can't do anything wrong. And, like, you know, we could all be wrong. We could all be horribly wrong. Or, you know, I guess Yuli could be right, because he's like, I don't think this is going to work. But, like, I think that this is going to be one of those things where I don't think he's going to misstep um, just based on history.
0: Well, well wait, wait, I, I'm sorry. Before I, I let you say what you were going to say, Roberto, Mike, let me just put a fine point on it. When okay. I say it's not going to work, I don't mean, like, the guy is going to fall on his face and, and it's going to be a total bust. What I mean is there is a certain level of success that David Zasloff is seeking here, and he is installing saffron and Gun because he believes they can give it to him now they 're going to be successful. are they going to be as successful as zasloff it wants them to be? I mean because that's billion dollar justice League movie, and i don 't i mean and now and consider this anything okay you because I think the the justice League movie that um What's his face made? Zack Snyder. Uh, Yeah, Zack Snyder. I think that made like 600 million. You know? That's a bad movie. Yeah, well, but it wasn't as successful as they wanted. Because it's it's, a bad movie. I mentioned it was was a
2: a bad movie because that may have something to do with it. Even,
0: no matter the version. No matter, you know, I'll tell you something. I I didn't hate it. I didn't didn't hate that one that um, the Buffy guy. What was the movie about?
2: Let me put it this way. What was the movie about?
0: The movie was about uh, the apocalyptic people coming and, uh, you know, th- but hey.
2: No, no, exactly. Can you tell me in two sentences what the movie was about?
0: Yeah, alien invasion, the Justice League towards.
2: But was there anything memorable about that thing?
0: I mean. yeah. Uh, there were a bunch of, I mean, a bunch of scenes that I thought uh, had some heart. That's
2: the thing with Snyder specifically that he's good at making scenes that look cool. Uh,
0: actually, I don't think it was Snyder. I think it was the Buffy guy. Just with the well, we, had a couple yes. of good lines. I mean, with yeah, because it, like I, I really liked the scene where
2: Batman basically tells Flash to save, you save one person at a time. That's no, a great line. No, <laughs> okay, <which laughs>
0: well, I was I was going to say at all, where Aquaman is sitting on the lasso of truth. <laughs> I but, love that scene.
2: But the thing <laughs> he's with getting the, all emotional, he's
0: like, you know, but to be a part of something bigger like this, and, and, and both Batman and Wonder Woman saw so he was sitting there like, hey, yo, dude, and he like pulls the lasso out, and Wonder Woman's like, I thought it was beautiful. You know? but I, was like,
2: <laughs> I agree with you, and I agree that Saslof has a reputation of being a jerk and has a reputation that basically that's what he wants, but. The thing that works in Gunn's favor is that there's a couple of projects that already have been greenlighted before he came into the question that may solve the problem for him. The Superman movie is gonna be done, produced by The Rock. Uh, there's gonna be a sequel to Black, uh, almost for sure, for Black Adam, also produced by The Rock. There's the Batman. See, I'm thinking one by one out of, Batman is gonna have a sequel. Wonder Woman, basically, by Patty Jenkins. The next movie is coming soon. That's going to be being written as we speak. So that's a big, big three. Yeah. Green but... Lantern, there's a show already in production that is coming soon. So that gives him a little bit of a breathing room, specifically in terms of what project to present.
0: Yeah, well, outside of that first Wonder Woman movie, because. and Oh, I won't uh, defend.
2: Oh, my God. You want me, to Cheryl, to kill me? I'm not going to defend
0: Wonder Woman. No, look, I, it, Shireen and I just disagree about that. I mean, I really like that first one. I understand her criticism of it. I don't think she's wrong. But th- I, that was a very successful movie. The second one, not so much. No. And I, I saw nothing in the second movie to suggest that a third movie would actually be that good. They- um, now, the, hey, hey <laughs> jury's still out on Black Adam. I mean, it only made, <laughs> listen to me, it only made $63 million. In that first weekend, you know, I mean, we're getting ready to have Wakanda forever. Oh God! First week is going to be like 124 million. It's going to make like twice as much as as Black Adam did. And now Black Adam's probably going to break a a hundred million this weekend. But it's it's seeing a drop off of about 60 percent from its gross. You know, I mean, all the stuff, and we don't even know what's going to happen with Green Lantern. Zaslav pulled the plug on Batgirl, which I thought would have been a perfectly serviceable film. So uh, what I'm saying is. How successful are you going to be? I mean, 63 million opening—that was a lot. You know, a lot of people, fans, again, loved it. Fan service, Justice Society, but in another three weeks, we could be talking about what a disappointment Black Adam was. Warner Brothers could be talking about what a disappointment Black Adam was, and in that case, I mean, they'll give The Rock a little bit more rope, but because he's The Rock. But you know, anyway, look, um, and I. Sat there talking. But, yeah, so that musical cue means it's time for us to take a short break. Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and listeners... To keep the doors open and the lights on, visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media or Arlingtonmedia.org. Find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in in support of community media today. And Mike and Roberto and I will be right back right after these messages don't go away. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming at WERA.FM. Radio Arlington, I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford and Roberto Ortiz. And when we took the break, we were talking a little bit about the recent hiring of James Gunn and Peter Safran as co-chairs and co-CEOs of the newly minted DC Studios, a newly formed division at Warner Brothers that will replace DC Films. And Walter Hamada, the former head of DC Films, is out, and these new guys are in, and they are not just in, but they are on the hot seat, because everybody is looking for them to be wildly successful and make all oogobs and oogobs of money. And so, um, yes... I'm I'm not convinced. Only because they've set the bar so high. And because these guys don't have the autonomy to do what they need to do to be able to deliver on all the expectations. You know? I mean, Warner is asking them to be a couple of little Kevin Feige's, and yet they're not giving them the freedom to Fige. You know? We want you to Feige, but we don't want you to Feige. No. You want, we want you to Feige, like, but we want to tell you how to Feige. And it's like if you could tell me how to Feige, then you wouldn't need me. I, I, you know? But
2: the thing is, that from the point of view of God, and I understand why he took this. It's a win-win. Oh yeah,
0: they gave him a whole bunch of money. The only <laughs> they gave him a whole bunch
2: of money is a win-win because if this goes south, no freaking body in Hollywood. No, yeah, nobody will blame. blame him. Exactly. No, nope, not at all. Not nope. at all. Yeah, he's like, mm-hmm. we got it. Disney will. Want to do another thing for Disney? Fine. You want to basically go to an independent studio? Fine. Yeah,
0: you know, I guess he could come back. I mean, for right oh God, now, yeah. this, but this exclusivity thing for it's, right now, Disney I mean.
2: It, oh, trust me, this is a business deal. And well, yeah. Business. Oh, I was, well, uh, Julian would be here. It was a game. Games respects game. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> that's something Julian would say. I think he would say that, yeah.
2: And uh, it's game. It's like, he's going to get paid. He's going to do his best. And if this goes south, people are gonna basically blame Saslav, they're not gonna blame him. So it's a win 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 win. He's, and the cool thing is I think God knows this. That he has nothing to lose. So
0: good for him. Yeah, and if it works out, yeah, you know, he's a hero. Yeah. I mean like I said though, I, 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 I'm I'm just very disappointed because way back in nineteen seventy eight when I was coming out of Superman the movie. And I said at the time. Because Warner Brothers could have beat Marvel to the punch on all of this. You do a shared universe then. Wonder Woman with Linda Carter was still on TV in 1978. Batman had only been off for um, uh, almost 10 years. you know. And Green Lantern. Well that's nothing but some animation effects. And what I was looking for was. Hey, they need to do the Justice League of America. You know that—that that was what I was looking for in 1978.
2: But that was not going to happen, specifically because you have to remember that Superman the movie was produced independently by this
0: Salkind. Salkind,
2: thank you. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, those,
0: those names I remember: and, Ilya and Alexander Salkind. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: Back in those days, Warner Brothers was history repeats itself was being sold back and forth by different corporations. So, and the people who were running Warner Brothers. Uh, back then in the 70s. And this is the era where studios were downsizing like crazy. People forget that. That in the 60s and 70s, the studios were downsizing and concentrating because they wanted to uh, focus more on television because since the 50s, they had seen the guy on the wall. Anyway, long, long story short, the people who basically who were running Warner Bros. back then didn't see...
0: Didn't have the vision.
2: They Didn't have the vision. They nope. didn't see it as something... That was worthwhile. The only reason yeah. the mm-hmm. Superman movie was as good as it was, and you should get on your knees and go to the grave of uh, Richard Donner. Richard Donner. And thank uh, that's him. That's
0: another name I remember. <laughs> is that he, I remember all these old names. It's the new guys. I'm like, who is it?
2: Who is it? He basically read. He. Uh, it's kind of like what's happening with Andor. It's like he understood. The in, with Star Wars, basically, that he, he understood what was being said with the material and he didn't camp it up and he ma- took it seriously. He they made camped it up a little bit, no, but that's the thing is like he didn't do remember the version of what they saw superheroes were was supposed to be presented. It was a '66 Batman, yeah, and it's not. I mean, the whole section of well,
0: if you read Mario Puzo's original uh, uh, treatment, <laughs> <but> the, <laughs> I mean, the, what, it's
2: the whole thing of the beginning of the movie, the first hour, is like something out of a Norman Rockwell yeah, painting. Yeah.
0: Well, it's it's kind of three different movies, yeah. really, because there's the part on Krypton, yeah, and then there's the part, the Norman Rockwell thing you're talking about, yeah. where in Kansas, where he's yeah. growing, and then there's the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> and <it's> like, it <laughs> it's shows like, you, yeah.
2: I was like, people don't scope. understand their range. Yeah. Richard mm. Donner had as a director that he pulled it off that he basically made an iconic film it was an
0: epic story
2: well yeah
0: about an epic hero an icon you know i mean i i just get all goose pimply just thinking about it man you know when he he's got it well I'm going to st- step back from him turning back time. I know. I mean, the stuff that he did, he actually sealed the San Andreas Fault. Superman flew down I know. into the ground and sealed the San Andreas Fault. You see Superman pushing this stuff up and it's like, it's Superman! But you the know? studio
2: system specifically in Hollywood always has been resistant to the story. Fiji should be giving a lot of credit. Uh, because when, in 1989, when they did the Batman movie, Tim Burton Oh, my God. The fights he had to have to basically have that movie. It's a miracle that that movie Well, works.
0: Michael Uslan deserves a lot of credit for that, too. Because, like you said, Batman in particular had been this 50s camped out thing. Yeah. And the idea of doing a serious Batman movie... Nobody even. They're like, "Are you kidding? A serious Batman movie? What work. are you talking about?" Oh, and it worked. It, it...
1: it was worse than that too, because like I just recently rewatched both Batman and Batman Returns, because uh, I hadn't seen them in, in forever.
2: Oh my god, like, I'm sorry.
1: John Peters, like, i don't be sorry, because I'll tell you why. John Peters was so vastly involved in the first one that it was essentially just like a giant commercial. Everything was marketing. Everything was product placement. Like, the whole Prince album. Like, all of that stuff, which is iconic to a lot of us who grew up with it. But, like, in retrospect, when you look back at it, like, it really probably made that movie worse. And if you compare the two, if you compare Batman to Batman Returns, you can tell that Batman Returns is a Tim Burton movie. It's a superior movie. It's it's the better Batman movie as well. Oh, my God, yeah. It actually feels like a Batman movie and not like a giant commercial.
2: And And and, what he did with Selena Kyle, the whole story... storyline of her because, and the whole origin of the penguin specifically in terms of the so stupid because it's a movie that ends with penguins with rockets on their back for, oh god but it feels strangely epic in terms of the hate this person has for humanity for what they did to him because he was deformed and it was it's such a Tim Burton thing to do and it's uh, I know uh, that's the thing it's like I don't think the studio system understood superheroes, uh, and they still don't. In a way, the only reason uh, Disney is going so successful is because Kevin Feige knows what he's doing. The reason Warner Brothers basically has some hits is because some very courageous souls, souls plural, who basically have certain inklings for certain characters have fought for them. But as a studio system, no, they don't get the medium. They still they well they away. they
0: understand the money, you know it's like yeah, well, i mean but... which is which is what Hollywood is all about, i mean, and people forget I got a friend who constantly reminds me it's called show business for yeah. a reason, people focus on the show part, but it's the business part that keeps it driving you know yeah. i mean, so you're listening to fantastic forum on w e r a ninety six point seven f m and streaming via w e r a dot f m We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford and Roberto Ortiz. We've been talking a little bit about the hiring of James Gunn and Peter Safran to run the newly minted DC Studios over at Warner Brothers, and that kind of took us down the rabbit hole. We've been talking about a lot of these DC movies, uh, both past and present, DC in conflict with Marvel. Yeah uh and um yeah you know that's 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 what we've been talking about but look um we've only got a few minutes left and i did want to pivot just a little bit because Star Trek Prodigy returned this week, and a few weeks ago, Star Trek Lower Decks. And these uh, animated treks, I mean, I know we've been looking at this stuff. In fact, the whole reason that I'm even interested now in Star Trek Lower Decks is because of the constant and impassioned exhortation on the part of my friend Roberto. (laughs) He's like, it's a love letter to Star Trek. And when I started looking at it, I'm like, wow, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'll admit, Beckett Mariner really gets on my nerves to this <laughs> instant. But, I, you know, I, I, I understand more about the character, and I understand kind of where they are. And you're learning more about Rutherford and Tendy and Boimler and, and all these yep. characters. And uh, you're absolutely right. It is a love letter Star Trek. There are a lot of, especially if you're a Star Trek geek like me, you're constantly picking out all the little easter eggs that they give you because they're giving you easter eggs in virtually every shot <laughs> that they're showing and even star trek prodigy and and star oh trek God. prodigy now that one i, I that kind of had to grow on me a little you know because it wasn't like any star trek that i had ever seen i mean you know they're young uh, they're all aliens uh, but there's something to that too and i i i find i was excited about it coming back and particularly because they finally they yeah. they actually contacted the federation in this first episode i know you haven't seen it so no I'm... no
2: but the cool thing about that show lower text and probably are different but you're right they're very well written and i already told you my theory is because of. The realities of how animation works that animation specifically on how it's told in hollywood is very focused specifically in storytelling and mm, yeah. it's they drive that hardcore because they know how expensive it is to make changes in stories so you cannot do it like in live action you know pick up shops and things like that no you have to before when you, you go to cameras yeah it's got have, to all be worked out in yeah. advance but mm. having said that uh, prodigy is the most sweet heart on the star trek show ever because it's all about the ideal of the Federation because Mm -hmm. the kids don't live in the Federation. It's the whole point of... They have no idea what it is. They're hearing about it second and third hand. And it's so cool for a a kid Mm -hmm. to be told what this fictitious Federation is. The whole idea of kids from different backgrounds coming together who are escaping horrible circumstances Mm -hmm. and basically finding hope and unity with the Federation. And it was like I am grateful for that show because it's opening the doors to a new generation of Star Trek fans, of kids, of what what makes Star Trek so cool. And um, Lower Decks, what's making also so fun, is basically the whole concept of, which is different, it's more about what you and I, who are Star Trek geeks, would be like if we were in the Star Trek universe and we could actually join Starfleet. You and I... And if we knew basically the Lord, we would be geeking out
0: constantly. It's like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> you're, you're already freaking
2: La Forge. Yeah, you're awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, what I like about, and, and I appreciate what you're saying about uh, Prodigy in particular, and some people would say that it's a departure from Star Trek, but it really isn't. It's very no. consistent with the way that the Federation and Starfleet have been presented. I'm reminded of... Plato's Stepchildren, episode in huh. third season. And there's a scene where Kirk is talking to um, this character, uh, Alexander. And, um, you know, very uh, well-known actor um, who was a little person. And um, I can't remember the actor's name. Now, it's again, you know, some yeah, stuff I remember. Yeah, he was being uh,
2: Exactly. Uh, yeah,
0: Miguelito Loveless yes. you know, is the character in that. Anyway, though... Um, uh, he's asking because he lives in this community where um, he's unique in that uh, he's the only one his size and everybody else has the psychokinetic power and he's getting pushed around all the time. And so he asks Kirk, he's like, well, where you come from, are there many people my size and who don't have the power? And it's just one of those. I mean, I smile every time I think about it because Kirk says, Alexander, where I come from, size, shape or color doesn't matter. And nobody has the power. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, I want to be where you're from, Jim! <laughs> and I always get choked up, you know, because that's what that's what the Federation is about. And that episode in particular, because at the end, you know, he's got the guy who's in charge, Parman. He's got him on the ropes. And Alexander's got a knife to his throat. And you know, he's like, don't stop me! Let me finish him off! And Kirk is like, do you want to be like him? <laughs> and I'm I like, just enjoy- oh, dude! It's like... You guys yeah. should see this is very enjoyable to watch. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, every now and again, I go off. Hey, Mike, I know you got something to say about this. Yeah,
1: I, so I, have, I haven't gotten a chance to watch Prodigy yet, but. Um, Wait, you mean this I've, year? Or yeah. you haven't seen any of it? No, I've, no I saw the. First okay, season. all right. Like, it, There's only
0: one episode this year so far.
1: Yeah, okay, so I'm not that far behind. That's good. Like it, I, I love what they're doing with this because for a while there, Star Trek had one thing it did. It was like, hey, here's our serialized TV, and wait, no, we're going to do movies, and we're going to go back to serialized TV, and we're going to do movies, and we'll see how it goes. And they – it was all pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And that's what ended up killing Star Trek on TV was that, like, whether it was Enterprise or whether it was Deep Space Nine or Voyager, it was essentially just a rehash of the exact same product over and over again, just repackaged. With this – with what they're doing with um, Lower Decks, with what they're doing with Discovery, with what they're doing with Strange New Worlds – Uh, with Prodigy, like, they're showing this is what Star Trek is. This is the soul of Star Trek in different forms. And it's absolutely beautiful because the great thing about Lower Decks is it's for Star Trek nerds, but it's also (laughs) not. Yes. It's – anybody can watch it and appreciate it. You don't have to get all of the inside jokes. The inside jokes make it fun, but, like, you don't have to get everything that's going on. And, like, it's it's something where – it's just good it, – it's good storytelling across the board. And, like, for me, I enjoy Lower Decks so far more because Lower Decks, Lower Decks is, is low stakes. And I know that sounds like not a great thing because we always want high stakes with all of our, our movies and TV, especially now with the, the streaming services. But, like, Lower Decks, you watch, you enjoy. And, like, yeah, there's some pretty interesting stories and, like, you know, some, some big things happen to the main characters. But for the most part, it's meant more to be fun. And, like, they're telling some good stories in there, but at the same time, it's really just a chance for you to just enjoy Star Trek and not have to think about it too hard.
2: And but Actually, the cool thing is that they do the thinking for you. There's an awesome episode where they revisit that planet that Picard had been. Do you remember that episode with the drug planet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the best jokes I have seen in lower decks. Oh, okay. in my have, life. I haven't gotten to that one okay, yet. Okay, <laughs> they make a, a point that Picard visited this planet that was addicted to drugs.
0: Yeah, I remember. Yeah, there's a planet of the drug addicts yeah. and then there's a planet of the drug dealers. Thank you. Yeah. They, they
2: make mm-hmm. a point that the people from lower decks, I'm not going to spoil anything, don't worry. They just say, damn, he, he did what? He just caught them like cold turkey? Like, yeah. And then they follow that joke and they show the consequences of what Picard did in one of the most funny ways possible. I think I had to stop because I was gasping in terms of how much I laughed because they make a very good point Mm. that what Picard did was like, rough
0: as hell hey he, he followed the prime directive <laughs> well, well he followed the prime directive. there were consequences well, i'm sure there were you know i mean but the, the, oh ultimately I, and that 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 episode was really funny because in fact Merritt buttrick yes was in that one he was playing one of the drug addicts you know and oh and who was the guy do you remember a show called um phoenix yes yes that guy, exactly. Yeah. He was one of the drug dealers. <laughs> it was the guy.
2: Well, they, they, they let's just say they visit both planets, the drug dealer planet and the addict planet. And where both planets end up, it's there's a certain poetic justice on what happens to both planets. Mm. But they also speak not too well of the Federation in terms of, you know, you left us after you called us cold Turkey. Just saying, uh, that's probably wasn't good for us well, as a civilization. Hey, what
0: were they You know, anything you did in that episode was going to be bad. I mean, I'll grant you that's not one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I thought the subject matter, because again, Star Trek, it, 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 looking at different issues through the lens of science fiction, and uh, you know that 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 was that was what they did, and. So I hey you know I, I, I get I don't know what they were supposed to do <laughs> you know it's like they repaired the ships that's bad. they don't repair the ships that's bad. I mean ultimately the druggies if they could have repaired their own ships, they'd have been okay they couldn't repair their own ships. It's like maybe the drug addict sorry the drug dealer people should have taught them how to repair the ships Okay, right, so there's the last thing I I'm mean... gonna
2: say uh, The cool thing about lower Decks, basically, is that embraces the fact that Star Trek is supposed to have sailiness. There's certain silliness in the franchise and it's okay. There's fun stuff, there's serious stuff, but it embraces what Star Trek is completely. And that's what we should do. Instead of basically put barriers and make things, you know, that has to be super serious and things like that. No, Star Trek can be everything. Can be serious, can be funny, can be yeah. anything.
0: It's a really great concept yeah. that Roddenberry created. Yes he you did. Know? I mean pfft got a lot of legs mike you got anything you want to say on the way out here
1: i'm just i'm i'm very excited for for this because as a kid i, I always I i'd love both star wars and star trek but i always feel like star wars was okay socially for people to like and star trek was this thing that was too nerdy for you to admit that you like and star trek's starting to see its glow up right now and, uh, and i'm really really happy about that yep and i love seeing a whole new generation no pun intended of Star of Star Trek fans of yes! fans, it's it's outstanding to see, and like it's just so heartwarming. Yes, it is. Th- it was one of those things. Is yeah, you know, Star Wars has got all these great, great lessons and me- and messages and things like that. But there was something I-, I just loved about Star Trek because it was us. It was humanity. This is what <laughs> humanity can do if we can put aside our ridiculous differences that we have about about things that shouldn't be an issue, um, as far as race, as far as sex, as far as like tolerance. And, like, seeing that come through and seeing it paid off has just been, it's been really awesome. And the new
2: generation mm-hmm. of fans are awesome.
0: Yeah, well, and, like I said, it turns out that Star Trek is its really something. It's a hell of a concept, and uh, Roddenberry is going to be remembered forever because of this. So, hey, look. We're out of time for this episode. I'd like to thank my panelists and you, too, for tuning in. of course, you can check Fantastic Forum out on the website at fantasticforum.tv because, hey, it's a TV show also, and uh, you want to take a look at um, the various episodes broken out segments all that fun stuff show re-airs each and every sunday from four to five and we're in first run right here on wera from four to five p.m on saturday afternoons enjoy the rest of your weekend people take care